Good word, Brad. Let's all stand. You know, when you're talking about habits, uh, intentional or passive, uh, and and then you talked about food. I, I leaned over to my wife and I said that was that was my problem. Uh, my dad owned a grocery store when we grew up, and I grew up on lunch meat, potato chips, and Coke. Uh, how, how many of you had that kind of a diet? I still love lunch meat, potato chips, and a Coke. I just realized they're terrible for you. <laughs> okay, I ran this by my wife, and my wife thought it was funny. So anyway, how many of you like to laugh? I mean, seriously, because some of you have been around the church for a while. You realize I'll make fun of you if you don't raise your hand. But how many of you really love to, to laugh? Uh, you know, laughter is medicinal, and we're going to do a series on that one of these days again because we've done it probably a couple years ago now. But, but when you laugh, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. One of the best ways that you can get endorphins flowing in your body is to laugh. If you look in the world today, there's very little to laugh about, especially if you follow what I just told you to do earlier, the news. There's very little to laugh about in the news, but there's always something that you can get some joy because the joy is in you through the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus said, I gave you my joy so that your joy would be full. So we have all the joy we're ever going to get if you have the Holy Spirit. So turn to your neighbor and tell him you need to get that thing on your face. Uh, a joyful face also is really good when you go around people. So here we go. Okay. An older church woman went to the doctor and received plastic surgery, specifically a tummy tuck. She continued to have liposuction performed on her hips and her thighs, then went out and bought several hundred dollars worth of skin care products and facial creams. Another church member was astonished and asked her why she went to so much trouble to remain young looking. The older woman replied, I heard the preacher say that Jesus was coming back soon and he's looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> Okay, you got your Bible? Let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that easy. Oh, it's actually it's just that simple, but it's easy too. Tell your neighbor, you'll get it if you think about it. Go ahead and be seated. Good to see all of you here tonight. My beautiful wife is not going to be with me tonight, but she's going to be either roaming around or out there looking at me and just longing as she looks up here at the at the preacher tonight. But I want to, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be reading in, in chapter 40, starting off there. But before we get into the message, I, I want to ask you uh, this question. What, let's make sure we got the right group here. What decision should you make when you don't know what decision you should make? I want to say that again. What decision should you make when you don't know what decision you should make? Well, the answer to that is you should make a decision to make no decision. Because most of the time, we can make the wrong decision when we push ourselves to make a decision. I have learned this message the hard way. How many of you have learned a lot of things the hard way? Can I see your hands? How many of you learned things the easy way? from time to time. And isn't it far better to learn it the easy way? And if you continue 
to make the same mistake over and over again, then you never really learn anything from it. But if you learn from all of your mistakes that you've made, then most of us should become brilliant by now. Would you say that's true? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's preaching to you tonight. You know, we, we should be. And what happens? How, how many of you here are here tonight? You are, maybe you wouldn't describe yourself as impetuous, but you would describe yourself as you just like to make decisions quickly. Can I, can I see your hands? Uh, three of you, okay. Uh, how many of you have gotten in trouble by making decisions that you found out afterwards you really shouldn't have made? Every hand should be going up. And I remember that when Pam and I uh, were, were first married and we went out to Tulsa and uh, all I understood was, well, no, all I thought I understood was faith. If I ask anything in Jesus' name, he will do it. I found out very shortly after that, God was not looking to work for me. He thought I would work for him. And it didn't work the way I thought it would. And I got us in a whole lot of trouble by making decisions quickly that I had not heard God speak to me. And one of the best things that you and I can do is to learn to wait on the Lord. How many of you like to wait at the stoplight? Just sit there and wait. How many of you now, you got to go back a few years. How many of you were raised in Lafayette, Indiana before the railroad relocation? And you know what it was like to drive down whatever street you wanted to drive down. And if a train was there, you were going to wait. You can sit there. It got to the point in my life, I always carried a book. And uh, I put it in park, and sometimes the horn would honk because the train was going, and I was still reading my book, and it was time to move on. But, you know, if you don't like to wait, then you're going to have some troubles in life. But waiting is good for you if you understand spiritually what it means regarding serving the Lord and making decisions. And many of us want things to be done very quickly. We live in a quick-paced society. You go through a McDonald's window. What do you want? You want your hamburger quickly. You want your coffee hot. You want your french fries hot. And you want it within about one minute. How many of you realize you can't get hot coffee, french fries, and a good warm sandwich in one minute unless it's laying there waiting when you pull up? That's exactly how it works. Thank God for microwaves. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Now, let's look at what the Word of God says in the book of Isaiah regarding waiting or being patient or taking time. In Isaiah chapter 28, it says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what will God do? He will renew our strength. How many of you from time to time realize you need your strength renewed? You need more strength, more perseverance to do and endure what you're going through on this earth. That's every single one of us. And I think about the time when... Uh, years ago when Pam's uncle Gene came to live with us in Tulsa. And I'm not positive the time frame here, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to sh this, this time frame, and Pam validated it for me just before I came up here. But, but <clears throat> Gene had, had been an alcoholic. He'd been through five, maybe six rehabilitation uh, centers and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and came out to, to Tulsa to go through the City of Faith uh, 
Alcoholics Anonymous program they had, but the higher power was not a doorpost. It wasn't whatever you wanted. The higher power was Jesus Christ, and he got totally set free. Shortly after that, uh, he had a job opportunity to go to work digging a ditch for the property in Tulsa Victory Christian Center that was going to be the Christian school and the church out there. I believe it was at minimum wage. And he had been a principal of a 5A school up in Michigan City, Indiana. But he really, and we felt like that was God that opened the door for him to do that. However, he wasn't making the money that he needed to make because he had lost almost everything he had. He had a daughter who was a senior in high school up in Michigan City, and she wanted to go to Indiana University and become a doctor. Oh, I think it was a doctor at the time. I'm not sure, but maybe a nurse. But anyway, she wanted to go, and he wanted to pay their expenses. Yet he was torn between finding a job where he could make that kind of money and doing what God had called him to do. How many of you have some pressing things in your life now where you need to make a decision, but you just aren't sure what decision you should make. Can I see your hands? It looks like many of you just like myself, and that sometimes you'll try to push a decision or you'll try to get something settled quickly rather than just waiting and letting God have his way in that situation. And I'm telling you, I have learned the hard way over the years. As a matter of fact, I would say I have learned mostly the hard way over the years versus the easy way. I've made decisions too quickly. I haven't had solidified in my spirit, this is what God wants, and I have not waited on the Lord. And when you get ahead of the Lord and you're trying to get God to do something for you, most of the time you've done something you wanted to do, but it wasn't God leading you. Does that make sense? In other words, if God is going ahead of you, He will prepare the way for you. And whatever God has called you to do, he will make sure everything is taken care of. And I'm digressing just a little bit from Uncle Gene, and I'll come right back to him. But when we first got to Tulsa, I understood John chapter 14, verse 14. It said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That was the number one scripture I had, plus Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I had a list for God of what I wanted him to do for me as I served him. How many of you realize that doesn't work that way? And uh, and the first house that we had out there, uh, I I I impetuously made a decision to do something and take the house. And before I knew it, I was so far in debt trying to serve the Lord out there and go to Bible school because I had not waited on the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's a good idea to wait on the Lord. It took me many years to get out of debt for a foolish decision I made impetuously not waiting upon the Lord. Can I see the hands of the people that you have spent years paying off, not necessarily money, but paying something off that you impetuously made a decision, not waiting on the Lord? And what we've got to do is get into, as Brad described it, that habit of saying, I'm going to wait on the Lord because I know God knows my phone number. He can ring it up anytime he wants. Jeremiah 33.3. Is that right? Did I get the right one? And, and that he knows how to reach me and he will show me. But if we're not careful, 
we will try to run ahead and take care of the things that we think should be taken care of instead of following God. We serve a God who wants us to follow him. Jesus said, I only came to do the will of the Father. Everything I do is what I see my Father do. Everything I do is what God tells me to do. Jesus did not make quick decisions. He made decisions after he heard what the Father wanted him to do. And that's what you and I need to do especially in this world that we live in. And so back to Uncle Gene. Uncle Gene, we're going to have him come and share again with us. Not sure what the date's going to be, but Uncle Gene takes the job digging ditches. And we finally, Pam and I and Gene, came to the decision. Gene needed a lot of encouragement, a lot of help, that this was God's will. It was easy for Pam and I say to say because we didn't have to pay his daughter Tracy's tuition. But Gene did or wanted to. He knew he couldn't pay it. But he went to work in that ditch, and he would make minimum wage, and he would come home hot and smelly and everything, and he would mumble and grumble. I have learned that you can serve the Lord mumbling and grumbling and being blessed because Uncle Gene is a perfect example of it. And he would come home, and he would be so uptight. And after almost a year of doing doing that, thinking that he was wasting his time, what he didn't realize was he was waiting on the Lord. And out of all of this came his favorite scripture that, we're going to, that we just read, Isaiah 40, verse 31. And one day he gets a phone call from his daughter, Tracy, up in Michigan City. And she said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I just won a full-ride scholarship for four years, room, board, and everything included, to Indiana University to become a nurse. Glory to God. And gee, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Now Gene is pumped. He is excited because he saw the hand of God move. She is now, does she have a doctorate? I think she just got her doctorate. She, she now has a doctorate, and she is training nurses and teaching in school up there in Michigan City, Indiana. I believe... Part of the reason that she has become what she became was because Jean waited on the Lord digging ditches. It didn't make sense. It didn't line up with his degree, but he felt like that was the effective door that the Lord opened for him to do. God has a door for you to walk through, and if you will wait on him, he knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you need, and he knows that you want to serve him, and he wants to show you what to do. What he has shown you to do is all you're responsible for. And turn to your neighbor and say, that's enough for you tonight. If you, if you know what God has shown you to do, that is all you are responsible for. I told Pam some of the things that we are going through, not from a bad standpoint, but decisions that we have to make. I was going through one just recently as of yesterday, and when I came home, I, I told her, I said, sound like I'm going to be preaching to myself tonight. But I know what God has shown me to do, and I know what I don't know. Does that make sense to you? I know it sounds kind of a little uh, silly there, but I know what God has shown me to do, and I know what I don't know to do. What I don't know to do is where I need to wait on the Lord. What I know God has shown me is where I release my faith. Does that make sense to you? Every single one of you have the same thing going on in your life. You know the areas where God has spoken to you. You know exactly what God has shown you. That is faith solidified. And then there's this little area out here that, well, it might be God. Maybe it isn't God. I'm not really sure it's God. God will tell you everything he wants you to know. 
He will never not tell you what he wants you to know because it's just like raising a child yourself. If you're raising a child, you're going to tell that child everything you want them to know when it's time for them to know it. But you're not going to tell them everything all of the time. So when we learn to wait on the Lord, we're going to renew our strength. Everything is going to fall into place, and we are going to be what God has called us to be. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to start waiting on the Lord. When we were in Tulsa, we had a challenge one time. Let me see the hands of all the people again. You've made serious mistakes not waiting on the Lord. Okay, you're all in the right place tonight. Then We were in Tulsa this one time, and it seems like I learned a lot in Tulsa, or maybe, uh, maybe it was just now dawning on me, but, but when we were out there, Uh, The faith message can get very intertwined with being impetuous and trying to get God to move on your behalf, where if you find out God's plan, it's already blessed and it's already anointed. I think it was John Osteen who said that he used to pray continually for God and continually for God to anoint his plans and bless what he was doing. And he said one day God spoke to him and said, John, just find out what my plan is. It's already anointed. It's already blessed. And then it will be a lot easier for you. And that's the key that we find out what God wants. And I remember I had a car problem. And uh, we had uh, some friends out there. I know they didn't do it intentionally, but I had a friend call me up and say, hey, I got a great deal for you. I know you got a car problem. I got a great deal on a Pontiac Safari station wagon. Now, how many of you believe that you should pray about everything? And how many of you believe that you should hear God every time you pray? If it's what and whatever He wants you to hear is what you're supposed to act upon, not what you want, but what He wants you to have. And I remember taking that Pontiac station wagon for a test drive. The inside looked nice. The outside looked nice. The body of the car looked really nice. It was a station wagon back in the old era of the big station wagons. Uh, It looked like it was a perfect deal. Never prayed about it. Never did anything other than said, hey, this is the right price. We can afford it. Let's buy it. Three transmissions later, I realized that it would have been a lot better for me to wait on the Lord. The last transition transmission. We were coming down the Oklahoma Turnpike about 70 mile an hour, and we had a U-Haul trailer behind us, and the transmission went. Have you ever had a transmission go out with a U-Haul trailer behind? Oh, my goodness. It is the most awesome sight. Kids thought the car was on fire. Big puff of smoke came out, blew up all over the trailer, bounced back on the car. Third transmission in that car. Now, I believe The reason all that happened was not because God didn't want to bless me or wanted to teach me a lesson. I believe it happened because I did not wait on the Lord. I did something that I saw that I wanted instead of praying about it and determining what does God want me to do. There's nothing wrong with waiting. Tell that neighbor next to you, there's nothing wrong with waiting. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures here in the book of Psalms, chapter 37. We're going to be reading right there, and uh, it, it, is, it is so good. <clears throat> this, this came to me in my spirit today. God will always eventually give directions. Normally, you don't see direction signs until you are close to a decision that needs to be made. Just recently had to go up to Midway Airport, and I hadn't been up there in years. And so I was really keen on the direction signs. And how many of you realize if you're in an area where you've never been before and you're not using a GPS, uh, when you get from one direction sign to the next one can seem like a long time. 
And it's like, okay, am I really right? Because I don't see any signs. I don't see anything that looks like I'm going the right direction other than I'm just on the path I think I'm supposed to be on. And then all of a sudden, maybe eight or nine miles down there, there's another direction sign. It's like, ah, I'm on the right path because Pam knows I have a tendency to get lost without her. But, honey, I didn't get lost. Well, yeah, I did one time. I didn't tell you about it, but that's okay. It wasn't a big deal. I got right back on. But but anyway, <laughs> I did. I forgot about that one. But anyway, the direction sign then shows you that you're going the right direction. I believe, and I said this earlier, but I believe it's worth repeating. God knows every single one of you. And there is a specific plan for your life on the path that you're traveling if you're on the right path. And if you stay on that path, And if you wait upon the Lord, all of the things that you have hoped for, all of the things that he's put in your heart are going to come to come to pass. But if you're waiting on God to take care of what you want on the path that you're on, on the time frame you want it to be, you're going to be very frustrated. And Uncle Gene, it was almost a year digging that ditch, mumbling, grumbling all the way that he got the phone call. And then guess what? All of the mumbling and grumbling was a waste of time. He was rejoicing and he said, by golly, this stuff works. (laughs) And he was so excited to see the hand of God. God move. So tell your neighbor, God knows where you are. Now, in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, look at verse number seven. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Verse number nine, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord they shall inherit the earth. What shall they do? They shall inherit the earth. And then look at verse number 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. What are we going to do? We're going to wait on the Lord. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Nobody likes to wait naturally. Let me see the hands again of all the people. You would say, I just really don't like to wait. Can I see your hands? Now, if you don't like to wait and God says it's going to go well for you if you will learn to wait, then you have to start developing a patience to do something that you just don't want to do. Does that make sense or is it confusing? In other words, I don't want to wait. Okay, I might as well. If you don't want to wait in a McDonald's line, then you just get frustrated and anxious. doesn't help you. It makes for a bad day. But if you learn to wait, how many of you realize the line's not going to go any faster if you're anxious or honk your horn or anything else? Uh, And it's true with everything in life. If you are impatient with what's going on and try to rush a decision, the chances are you may wait or you may make a wrong decision. People can enter into a marriage when they won't wait. They think marriage is the answer. You don't do something in the time frame that God has. You don't want to wait for the right person to come along. I remember when when God spoke to me about Pam and and it it was a period of my life when I felt like I wanted to be married again and I didn't know what to do. I I knew I didn't want to date. I knew I didn't want to look around. I didn't want to do anything. I just said, God, if you have somebody for me, I want to get married again. If you don't, I'm 
per perfectly happy just to serve you without anyone. And God gave me Pam's name in the middle of the night, waiting on the Lord. We have so many people, honey, sometimes young people, sometimes middle-aged people, sometimes older people. They want to get married, and they just start looking around. The last thing you need to do if you want to get married is start looking around. You need to start looking up and start looking up at what God has for you. And if God has somebody, tell them to bring them because I'll tell you what, if God doesn't have somebody, you don't want what you're about to get because it's going to be a difficult road for you. But when you learn to wait on the Lord, then everything will begin to fall into place. Jesus said in, uh, it's, 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 it's quoting what Jesus did, not what he said, but it's in Acts chapter 1 talking about the Holy Spirit coming and, and said that when they were all gathered in Jerusalem, Jesus said, I want you to wait there. I want you to wait. What, they, what were they going to be waiting for? They're going to be waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And the power of the Holy Spirit is already here for us today, but the waiting period is still here. I don't understand how this works. I know God can do anything He wants, anytime He wants, but I also know there's a waiting period with God. And I don't know exactly why it is like it is, but you just need to wait on the hand of the Lord, and He will move at the right time, in the right place, and you will see it, and you will know that it was God. But if you're not careful, you'll move ahead of God. And if you move ahead of God, you're going to have a problem. Now, in the book of uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, because I, I, I want to share how this works in my life. And, and I hope it makes sense to you. But in, in my life, I have never heard the audible voice of God. Uh, I have heard what I I call hearing, but I've heard things in my spirit that were like an inner thought. How many, can I see the hands of all the people know what I'm talking about? In other words, in, in my spirit, I, I know that I'm hearing something in here. Hearing may be the wrong word, but I'm feeling, I'm sensing something in here that's coming from here, and it's coming up to here. And there's some things that I know, that I know, that I know, and they're coming up here, and they're renewing my mind. And then there's some things that I don't know about this other than I know it's wrong. Does that make sense? And I don't know why. I just know it's wrong. And some things here I can't understand. I can't articulate it. I can't put it in words. I can't even wrap my mind around it to put it in thoughts, but I know I can't go there. Is it a bad thing? No, but it's not for me. It's something that I can't get involved with. Does that make sense what I'm telling you so far? I'm going to give you a scripture for it in just a moment because if we're not careful we can get ahead of the Lord by going into the Word of God and finding a Scripture, and we'll take that Scripture and run with that Scripture instead of running with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the Holy Spirit shows you, you can find Scripture for it. But you don't reach in the Bible and find the Scripture and let that be the thing that you run with because, as I just described myself in the very beginning, I was running with John fourteen fourteen. I gave John, uh, God my list when I first got saved. First thing I told God I wanted was I went out of debt and I went to Lincoln Continental. John fourteen fourteen. I was confessing the Word of God as I knew it to be, as I thought it to be. I was confessing the Word. Guess what? Twenty some years was it, how, how far? How long did that take, honey? Waiting on the Lord to get out of debt. I wanted to get out of debt right away. About twenty years, maybe fifteen, maybe not that. How long was it? You know, you're the accountant. 
My wife's about eight. I told my wife when we first got together and we thought it was God, I said, you better wait till I get my finances taken care of. She said, no, honey, no way. How many of you realize love is really blind? And, and, and then we got married, and I know, I know she looked at me sometimes like, I wish I'd waited. No, she, I, she didn't. She really didn't. But, but, but what happens is it, it, we had to wait on the Lord. God took care of everything. God took care of everything, but there was a waiting period of time. When, when, when you get to the point, when you start to realize that waiting period, then you can let it all settle in. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 is what has been probably the dominant force in my life on following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts in which you were called into one body. In other words, the peace of God is like, this is the way that I am supposed to go. This is the decision that I need to make. And I can't really tell you for sure why I feel that way, because there are other decisions that could be made that are good decisions. And people even recommend maybe making this decision. How, how, how many of you know that people can get you in trouble too, but ultimately you're the one that lets them get you into trouble? And I'll give you a couple of scriptural references for this. In the book of Joshua, one of my heroes in the Old Covenant is Joshua. Joshua was, uh, uh, we're led to believe he was very humble. He was a servant. He was full of compassion. His whole desire was to serve Moses. And Joshua was his assistant. And Joshua was a man of God who loved serving Moses. But when Joshua was eventually Uh, put in charge to take over for Moses when Moses died, Joshua then sought the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and said, you meditate my word day and night and you will have good success and everywhere you go, you will prosper and do not ever be discouraged or dismayed. Joshua 1, 8 and 1, 9, two of the most powerful scriptures in the entire word of God, especially for leaders. And Joshua did that. And God said, everywhere that you go, I will go before you and you will possess the land. That was a promise from God. And God, the first time that Joshua went out into battle was against Jericho. And everything that Joshua did, he followed the plan and the leading of God. And everything happened exactly the way God said it would happen. Not what Joshua told God to do, but what God told Joshua he would do. Can you say amen? Okay, you with me so far? So everything happened exactly like that. Then, now it doesn't say this. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here. But then they finished up that first battle in Jericho, and they were excited. They saw the victory. They saw everything happen exactly the way God said it would happen. So now it's time to the next battle. And they've got some sin in the camp, some things that shouldn't have happened through Achan. But also they've got the people saying, look, We were victorious in Jericho. Let's just let some of the people rest. We don't need to to send that that many people up into the next battle, the battle of Ai. We can take them easily because they're not strong, and they're not as strong as Jericho was. And look what we did at Jericho. So the people became impatient, and they wanted to do it their way. Can I see the hands of all the people who have become impatient and did it your way? Can I see your hands? Now can I see the hands of all the people you wish you hadn't done it your way. You wish you had done it 
his way. And it's so easy to do. I've done it the same way. You come through a victory that God gives you because you did exactly what God said. You come through another victory that God gives you and you start to get on a roll and then you're ready for the next one. And you all of a sudden realize that, you know what? I didn't find out what God wanted me to do. I was a little impatient. Well, they went up for the first battle of Ai and they were impatient. And Joshua did exactly what the people recommended that he did. He didn't have the plan of God. If he had sought God, I believe God would have said there's sin in the camp, but he didn't do that. He was a little impatient himself to go right along with the crowd and go right along with the people. And if you remember the story, this all plays out in Joshua 6, 7, and 8. They were soundly defeated. And when they came back, they were crying out to the Lord. What happened? And Joshua was crying out to the Lord. What happened? And God showed them, you didn't have my plan and you had sin in the camp. I believe with all of my heart that if Joshua had waited and Joshua had said, God, I don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, let's have a little practice right now, developing a habit. Let's just say, God, I don't know what to do. Let's say it again. Oh, that's not, let's say it again. Now, if God hears the prayer that comes up, God, I don't know what to do. And he knows you don't know what to do. Guess what? A loving, compassionate, merciful, wonderful, loving God will do. He will tell you. What would you do if a child, one of your children, came in and said, Daddy... I don't know what to do. I know you want me to rake the leaves, but I just don't know how to do it. Would you please tell me how you want it done? I know what Brad would do. He would show them how he wanted it done. He would never say, figure it out yourself. I'm not part of the equation. No, that's the way God is. He wants to show us. And so what we do is we learn over the period of time that if I ask God, then he will show me. But in my life, and I believe in your life too, there are times when I do exactly what I just said and I don't hear anything. Can I see the hands of all the people? You said, God, I don't know what to do, and you still don't know what to do. Can I see your hands? The timing is not right. For God to show you. I have no idea why. All I know that in my life, there are times, God, I don't know what to do, but I need to make a decision. Nothing, 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 nothing. That means to me, no decision. The reason I know that for sure is because there's a time in my life, you show me what to do, God, and if you don't, I'll make the decision for you. I found out the hard way, just like all of you did. I never said it that way, but that's what happened. I made the decision and found out I would have been a lot better off if I had waited on God to show me what to do. Because God, again, will never not show you what he wants you to know. Can you say amen to that? Okay, then I want to show you in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 23. I believe Pam was in that scripture uh, Sunday. Honey, we had visitors Sunday. They're back with us tonight. I just want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> I told my wife, I said, we had two visitors with us, and they said, they, I think they liked you, but I'm not really sure, but we'll find out. So they came back Wednesday night, so it was good. Isaiah 26, verse uh, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you 
because he trusts you. What is that perfect peace? That word means calmness and perfect well-being. That, that, that word means if, if you're blessed financially, you are at perfect peace. If your finances aren't where you think they should be, you're going to be in perfect peace. If you know exactly what God told you to be, you're going to be in perfect peace. If, if it's not working out that way, you're going to be at perfect peace. No matter what it is, because you are focused on what God told you for the moment that you're in. All follow me? For the moment that you're in. But God, I think you called me into full-time ministry. What has God shown you to do? Well, he just showed me to be right here and helping out at Victory, but I, that's, that's not what I ultimately see myself do. What is the last road sign he gave you? He said, get involved with, with the children's ministry. Get involved with the nursery. Get involved with, oh, the bus ministry. We need some additional, we have some opportunities for people to be blessed by being involved in our bus ministry, our van ministry. And if you want to get involved, See Sandy right after the sir. Oh, see Sue. See Sandy. Sandy's right down here in the first row. See Sandy, and Sue helps out also and does a great job. But we need additional van. We have opportunities for people to be blessed driving our vans. So what happens then is that right where we are, we get plugged in. We are happy doing what we're doing because we're waiting on the Lord. And somebody says, well, what are you going to do about this? I am waiting on the Lord. Matter of fact, let's say this. I'm waiting on the Lord. One more time. One more time. Now turn to your neighbor and ask him, well, what are you going to do about all those things you're facing? You're waiting. You're waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Joshua got in trouble because he listened to the people, and they gave him input. Were the people bad? No way. But you ask enough people something, you're going to get a lot of different responses, or maybe they will will be in agreement, and it's a good thing that they have for you, but it's not the God thing that God has for you. Who knows best what God has for you? God knows best. And therefore, if we plug into that, I know that in my life, there are some things that I'm facing that are extremely serious regarding what the repercussion could be if I make a wrong decision. You have the same thing. You're going to go out and buy a shirt. You buy a white one or a blue one or a red one. Who really cares? It's going to be bright red. You might want to ask your wife. But you know, you know, what, you know what I'm talking about. The, the odds of a repercussion of the wrong decision on buying the wrong color shirt are not quite as great as buying the wrong car. Would you say amen to that with our Pontiac? Are buying the wrong house? Are buying, are making the right decision with your career path or what college you're going to? And, and as the decisions become more and more important, the waiting becomes more and more important so that we wait upon the Lord who renews our strength and we're going to seek and find out what the will of God is for our life. And we're not going to move past that will. Now, What happens then is we begin to learn to wait and how important it is for every single one of us. I believe that there are people here today that you have areas in your life where you feel pressured to make a decision. But every decision you make must be submitted to the power of God so that he can show you exactly what he wants you to know. And when you reach that point in your life, God will then begin to test you 
Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's tests are always with good. They're always for good. They're always for good. He will never test you with bad, but he will test you. Why does God test us? He tests us to see if he can trust us. If he can trust us, then he can promote us. But if he can't trust you, he can't promote you. So some of the things that some of you are feeling seem very insignificant. Well, I think God's saying to do this, but it doesn't make any sense. Don't be concerned about it making sense. Do you feel like you're hearing from the Lord as you're waiting on the Lord? Whatever he's showing you to do, he's waiting and watching to see if you will do that. And if you will do that, then he can give you another directional sign and another directional sign. And as you're going down the highway, uh, I was coming back from Midway last night, and as you're going down the highway, I was just kind of talking to Pam and not paying attention, and all of a sudden I've got it locked in at 75 in a 70-mile-hour zone, but that's all right, 75 coming down there. But all of a sudden I see these signs blinking, and I wasn't paying attention. Construction zone 55, we learned the hard way we have to pay attention to construction zone signs. And so I saw that construction zone sign, and all of a sudden the adrenaline just surged like that, and it brought that thing down to 55 because I was doing it my way, and all of a sudden I realized the sign on the highway said I better do 55 because I'm in a construction zone, and I see them out there working, and I know what that means. So I brought that down real quickly. Sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, if you're making a mistake going the wrong direction, God will always show you because he loves you. How many of you have had God correct you in in your path? Three hands are up. I think we've just found the problem with the whole church. Let me see the hands of the people who've been corrected by God. Okay, that's more like it. And what, what you've got to do then is pay attention to that and say, you know what? It's going to slow me down to go 55. I'm not going to get home as fast at 55 as I am at 75. But if I do it, I'm going to have a lot more money in my pocket than if I was at 75. Does that make sense to you? And so you follow the warning signs, and you realize that that's God showing you what to do so he can bless you. The ultimate uh, the ultimate that what God wants to do is he wants to bless everyone that trusts in him. And I'm going to go back here just for a moment as we close into uh, Psalms 37. It's one of my favorite Psalms in the whole Bible. I, I, I read this one a lot. And in Psalms 37, it, it ends with verses 39 and 40. It says, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in their time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in him. My trust and your trust has to be that God will tell me everything he wants me to know. And my responsibility is to pay attention to what he says, do what he says, and all of his blessings will come upon us and overtake us. Why? Because we trusted in the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for all of you that are here. Sometimes when you are in a situation where you need to make a decision, you know what God has shown you, and it's just a question of being obedient. But sometimes you're in a position where I feel like maybe 
I should make a decision or I feel like people want me to make a decision, but I don't know what decision to make. That's the time to wait on the Lord. That's the time to make no decision. No decision is better than a guess, and no decision is better than a wrong decision. The decision that was made in the Garden of Eden by Eve was a decision that was made apart from the will of God. I believe she felt pressured by the devil to make the decision. I believe Adam felt pressured by Eve to make the decision. And neither one of them sought the leading of God and were still paying for that consequence. I believe Abraham and Sarah made a wrong decision. Sarah wanted to have a baby. She thought she couldn't have one, so she did the wrong thing. She didn't consult God. Abraham didn't consult God. He just listened to Sarah. And now we're still paying for that in the Middle East. Many, many times, because we will not wait upon the Lord, we pay a tremendous price as we pay the consequences for not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I believe the bottom line is this. God just wants you to listen and do whatever he says. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know if you would die tonight, you'd be with Jesus in heaven? And if you're here and you're not sure, you say, Pastor, I I don't know. I don't know if I'd die tonight where I'd be. Then make that assurance. Accept Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord, but you're here and, and, and you know, you know that your life is not right. And if I've described you and you said, that's me, let us pray for you tonight and let the power of the Holy Spirit come in. Let Jesus come in and set you free. If I described you all over this church, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. We'll take just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit move. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight, anyone here tonight, yes, I see your hand over over here, over here in this second row. I see your hand. Are there others who say, pray for me? I, I know my life is not right. Hallelujah. We'll take just a moment, just a moment. Honey, would you come on down here, all the way over there in that second row of that lady right there? Checking out right there, Sandy. Ask her, is that you? Am I describing you? If it is, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if your hand was raised, come on down here. If not, I understand. Now, I want to pray for every single one of you. Give her a hand as she comes. God, this is a night where God wants to set you free. Come on down here, sweetheart. Stretch your hands out here toward this young lady. We're all going to pray, pray with you. This is a night of new beginnings. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. All of the hurt, all of the devastation, he's going to take care of. Let's all pray this prayer together. I want you to pray this as everybody joins you tonight. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes, but tonight I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be everything that you've called me to be. Now, while Pam prays for this lady here at the altar, I want to pray 
before we leave, we're just going to do it right where you are. How many of you are facing decisions right now that you feel pressured, that you really need to make a decision? Can I see your hands? Just lift them up real high. Now, Father, you see every single hand that's lifted up there. Lord, I pray that they will not make a decision before that decision should be made. I pray, Lord, that your precious Holy Spirit will lead them, will guide them, and that they will wait upon the Lord, and that they will have a word from you, that they will be able to stand right where they are until the appointed hour when you tell them what to do next. I thank you for every single one of us here tonight, that we will learn to wait upon you, and that we will follow your leading, your guidance in the precious name of Jesus. Now, I want to lead us all in a confession right now. I am going to learn how to wait upon the Lord. I will renew my strength. I will become what God says. When God tells me what to do, I will do it. If I don't know what to do, I will wait on the Lord. You believe that's the will of God? Give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed. God has a wonderful plan for each and every one of you.